The headlines about the civil war in Syria have become depressingly familiar. Just look at today's news. A suspected suicide bombing in the heart of Damascus killed at least 15 people. The government blamed the rebels for the attack. But even as we report on the latest on the Syrian conflict, it remains frustratingly difficult to get a sense of perspective on what's happening there. To do just that, Ollie Lambert of our partner program Frontline decided to spend an extended period reporting from both sides of Syria's war. For five weeks last fall, Lambert crisscrossed the Orontes River, which has now become a dividing line in the civil war. Ollie Lambert joins us now from London. Can you give us a sense of the landscape first? The two sides are on opposite sides of the Orontes River. Describe what the valley was like before the war. For generations, the people in this valley have lived peacefully with one another. Um, It's home to Sunni Muslims, um, Alawites, but also a number of different religions and sects and ethnicities. And these people had farmed together, lived together, they'd been to school together, had intermarried. And that balance had, had held on for about a year into the revolution. But in the last 12 months... There are a number of different clashes. Um, Communities started to break up with each other. And it's now become really a sectarian fault line where you have Alawite loyalists on one side of the valley and Sunni Muslims on the other, both increasingly convinced that the people on the other side of the valley are their sworn enemy. And very intense fighting is now taking place between the two sides. Let's look at both of them. Uh, Describe the young rebel Ahmad. He's a former policeman, right? Yeah, uh, you do see in the film his increasing radicalization, really. He, at the beginning of the film, his mum laughs off his new appearance with his, he's got his beard and he's got his Kalashnikov and she, she sort of laughs at him and says, look, he doesn't really pray that much. He's mm. not really that religious. But by the end of the film, he's seen so much, um, as I have with him, that he's, he's become almost like a, a, a jihadist fighter. He wants to join a group called Jabba al-Nusra, which is aligned with al-Qaeda, it was it was kind of tragic to watch, to be honest. Um, then on the other side of the river, we have the Assad loyalists. You also captured an amazing scene of high school students uh, who, in response to your questions, broke into a pro-Assad chant. I'd like our listeners to hear some of that. Now, they're saying here, God, Syria, Bashar, and nothing else. This Assad is no pushover. It is written on the gun. Bashar is a sacred leader. I mean, what, what's curious is that these kids look so much like American high school students. The big difference, though, is that they're ready to die for a regime and an apparently failing regime at that. Why do they still support Bashar al-Assad so much? I don't think they see the regime as failing. I think, on the contrary, they see Bashar and the regime as the only possible solution to this situation. Um, in a way, it's pl- this, the, the, the conflict has played into Bashar's hands. Um, it, there is now such uh, chaos that amongst people who would previously occupy a middle ground and not quite sure which way to turn, there's now a nostalgia for the peacetime that they remember. The other very significant thing that I hadn't expected was the amount of seclusion that people have. In the, um, in the re- we film quite a lot in the uh, regime army checkpoint base. Right. And... These guys only watch television stations that are operated by the regime. Um, and it's it's propaganda. When you're watching it, it's extraordinary. They're, there's almost like these long adverts for the regime and uh, how successful the soldiers are and the great victories that are being won. So 
there's very little sense of what is taking place more widely in the country and what's happening outside the bubble of the regime and, and, and its supporters. So people are just convinced that what they're hearing is true on both sides of the divide, um, right. and, which is the most dangerous thing going forward in terms of how the conflict might be resolved. I mean, that's kind of striking because the bubble is around both sides in the conflict. I mean, we see Ahmed wandering around documenting the consequences of the bombing, uh, Assad's bombing, getting video on his cell phone. It comes through, I mean, one thing that really comes through through this whole documentary is just the futility of war, this war, kind of any war. Um, what about the people? I mean, is the whole country divided or are there people in the middle who also say, this is ridiculous? I mean, this is just a futile war. Oh, there are, undoubtedly. And um, uh, there, I met a few of them, very few who would actually speak on camera. Um, quietly, one person off camera did talk to me in the Alawite village, the, the pro-regime village who expressed frustration with both sides in this conflict. But the nature of the conflict is such that they're, they're, they are not the people who are speaking out. So it's inevitable that it's the fighters and the loyalists who are the people who are most vocal and are taking control, whether that's through their ideas or through their weapons. Ali Lambert, great to speak with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.